Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time on and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. For the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord for God's people today. That was really good. One of my best friends in the world there, Lee Copeland. This is the last Sunday of the Cover Psalm series, and I'm going to miss it. I I have really enjoyed the book of Psalms. There there is such (sighs) permission in the study of the book of Psalms because there are so many different life experiences that are covered in these songs, and they are canonized, they are included in Scripture to permission us to think and feel the things with a deep degree of honesty and integrity, you think and feel some things that maybe in other places we've been told, no, you're not supposed to say that, no, you're not supposed to think that, you're you're not supposed to feel this way, but Psalms permissions, all of it. Seems like it's okay to be human and a believer if the book of Psalms, if that book is to be believed. I will also miss it because we've had such great renditions of these songs or songs that remind people of these songs. And by the way, uh, Tamara is in the process of gathering all of these, these songs. That we have, we've had some uh, um, instrumentals and we've had some, some original pieces and we have some covers of other songs like you're going to hear today. And we are gathering the right kinds of permissions and we're going to actually put together a compact disc, I believe that's what they call them now, these uh, CDs, but also some way for you to download these songs if you would like to have them around. And uh, this is going to be a good one here today. Keep in mind that what we're saying as we call this whole series Cover Psalms, what we're saying is this, that these songs are included in our sacred text. These songs are included because they are intended to be covered. We are supposed to cover these songs, appropriate them for ourselves, live into the truth of each one of these songs. And so I hope that you can hear this in today's song, but also in the sermon today. Yes, our God is great and big, but our God is also good and close and worthy to be praised. And so looking forward to this. You too.
good thank you guys and that will be included on that uh, that uh, compact disc I believe uh, we will actually start a new series next week and Zach and his, Zach is helping us with these graphics I think you'll like it it's called the Dead Prophet Society amen that'll be fun so we'll start that next week Psalm 113 is canonized is canonized to help the people of God to remember what we're supposed to remember about God. And what we're supposed to remember about God and what they needed to remember about God goes something like this. God is great. God is good. And we should thank him. God is great. God is good. And we should thank him. And so that is, that's kind of the working outline. And Tamara, I perhaps have lost that. Uh, is it here or is it somewhere else? That's all right. Shane can help me. We're good at this. Don't worry about it. Oh, or it could be just right here where you put it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. You see, the, the people of God, uh, the ancient people of God, were very aware that there were other gods and other faith systems to contend with. And these other faith systems had core beliefs about their gods as well. And so there are times, there are times when the people of God organize their scripture and write their scripture so as to demonstrate this particular difference between their gods and our God. For example, ours is not the only flood narrative that exists out there. In fact, there were other flood narratives that told a very similar story, including a giant flood, including a boat, including animals. And if you were to lay them, and I did this actually one time, if you laid all of these different stories from these different faith traditions side by side by side by side by side, one thing sticks out. Now, you will see all of the different faith traditions claim that their God is the biggest bully on the block, Now, as we do. We will say right out loud, our God is great, and by that we mean huge. And we mean that this God has a reach that you would not believe, is, is grand beyond all measure, right? But if you lay all of these things side by side by side, everybody's making that claim, but our story is different in chapter 8. Our story gets really different in chapter 8 when, seemingly out of nowhere, if you've read all the other stories, it says this, but God remembered Noah. 
Amongst all of the stories and amongst all the stories about all of the other gods, this particular god seems to have the capacity and bothers to know names and faces, situations, and individual stories. The ancient, the ancient Hebrews made it a point to sing songs and to tell stories to say, yes, our God is big and probably bigger than all of your gods, but also our God is also close, close enough to know your face, close enough to know your name. Psalm 113 is one of these songs meant to say both God is great and God is good with the end result being, and we, we have to remember to be thankful. We cannot forget to remember, because when we forget to remember, something bad always happens. And so, as you've heard read already, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord, that's us, praise the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised, that is supposed to be something of a word picture, the sun comes up on one side of your life, but it actually then goes all the way across the expanse of the sky, and it goes down on the other side, and that's what's being said here, that big, in fact, even bigger this God is that big and worthy of all that praise. Verse four, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. It reminds me of that little kid's song. If you, if you remember it, sing it with me. My God is so big, remember? So strong and so, yeah, I'm not gonna do it. If you're not gonna do it, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing my God cannot do. Clap, 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 right? I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad we say that to our kids. I want us to say to our kids on a regular basis, and Lisa does a great job of helping our kids to see that God is in fact big. Folks, hey, our God is big. Can I get an amen? amen. That is very important, that the people of God continue to remember and remember to remember that our God is big. How big is your God? There are still competing ideologies and theologies and competing deities out there that compete for your allegiance and your attention. What we would say is this. We need to sing these songs so as to remember just how big our God is. Bigger than that and that and that and that. Bigger than that God. Bigger than that ideology. We need to sing these songs to remember that our God is big. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high? But the original language could, could have been communicated like this. God makes God's self that big, and God makes God's self to sit that high. How high? As high as it needs to be. To see it all. But also... This same God looks far down on the heavens and the earth. It's important to the ancient Israelites, as it should be to us, that our God doesn't just stay perched up there, separated and distant, but that this God also has the capacity to come all the way down into neighborhoods, all the way down into households, all the way down into particular rooms, 
in those households and all the way down where a person looks in the mirror and isn't always okay with what is staring back. Our God is that, not small, but close. Not, not small, but intimate. That close. I think that this is where faith breaks down for so many people. I, in fact, I think that people struggle less with the concept of a giant God because we, we find a way to sort through the, the logical arguments. Like there has to be a reason that all of this exists and it's, and it's grandeur and it's precision and it's beauty. So I think there is a way for a lot of us to come to this realization that there has to be some mind out there. There has to be some creative mind out there to construct all that is and to weave together the, the cosmos and the entire creation and the universe like it's all been woven together where I think we break down is in the smallness and the intimacy of God because we have aches and pains that need, uh, that need some help and we need them yesterday. We have not just aches and pains, we have very particular, unique to me and my life, unique to our household, we have very particular aches and pains. It is not that we wonder whether or not there's a giant God, it's, it's that we wonder whether or not there's a close God. That knows names, that knows faces, that knows circumstances, because I gotta be honest with you, John, if I had to somehow testify today, I still have the ache today that I had before. And it feels like God's forgotten my name. I'm lonely, I am in pain. I am separated from resource. I am borderline hopeless. Actually, cross the border, I'm all the way into hopeless. <laughs> I'm afraid. And I'm afraid not because I'm worried somehow whether or not that God made the heavens and the earth. I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm afraid where this disease is concerned. I'm afraid. God, I get that you are big. What I need to know is that you are close. And I need to know that you are close in ways that help me to know that it's you who know what I need in this given moment. Here's something else we should know about this particular God. It is the testimony of ancient faith and of the ancient Israelites that not only is this God huge, and big and strong and powerful. And not only is it that this God has the capacity to also be close and intimate, but this God also has in mind a particular way of being God when God gets close and intimate. This God is on the side of the underdog. This God is on the side, characteristically so, is on the side of the people who in fact do suffer particular, particular aches and pains. This God is not just, though, in the room as you suffer. This God is doing something with shattered pieces, setting things aright. Verse 7, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap some of you know exactly what that kind of even smells like. 
to make them sit with princes. The princes of his people. Even beyond that, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Man, that's, we're getting specific now. We're getting very specific. We're getting specific enough that some of you now are picturing names and faces. But this is what this God does. This is the testimony of ancient Israel, that this God, though being so incredibly large and big and being so incredibly close and intimate, this God takes particular notice of situations where the underdog and the marginalized being exploited, damaged, hurt, and this God is all the time coming to their aid, helping to right wrongs, even the score, even as it has to do with barrenness. Whoa. In 1 Samuel 2, it's Hannah who is barren, who says this, verse 7, the Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low. He also exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap, should sound familiar, to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. This barren woman aches in her barrenness, and God does what only God can do, brings about a child, Samuel. There's another story. It's early in the New Testament, somewhere around Luke 1. Mary says something like this, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Skipping down to verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and in the thoughts of their hearts he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Man, this God is not just big and great. This God is near and good. And works, 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 moves and works on behalf of those for whom God is their only hope. Now, there are a variety of ways this particular sermon and this particular text might be received today. And I am fully aware of stories in the room because you honor me with a phone call or, or an email or, or some time spent over a cup of coffee. You honor me with these stories where you identify as one of these people who needs God not just to be big and great, but you need God to be good and close. I know those stories exist in the room. And it may be that you really need to hear Psalm 113 again so that you remember to remember that this God is both big and great and good and close and capable of moving in ways that are uniquely God, uniquely appropriate for your situation, regardless of the nature of your situation. It may be that you just need to hear this today, so I hope that you have heard this today. This is us singing all over again. Yes, yes. Though sometimes, sometimes 
life gives us evidence to the contrary, we will continue to remember to sing Psalm 113 for you because you are perhaps the one on the margins. You are the one that feels left out, excluded, damaged somehow. And we will continue to sing this song for you because you need to remember that God is not just great, but God is good and on the way. But there's another way to receive this song today because maybe you aren't on the margins. And if you aren't, praise the Lord, right? But that means that you are to hear it this other way, absolutely this other way. If we were to borrow from Psalm 112, that the message in Psalm 112 is pretty clear. What God is, we are to be. What God is, we are to be. Same sentiment reaches into Psalm 113. So let's hear it again. What God is, we are to be. And here's what we've said about this God. Big, okay, big, can reach and have a say on everything, everywhere. We've also said that God is good. What God is, we are to be close, nearby. God has this expectation, always has, by the way, even before Paul was using the language of the body of Christ, you can kind of hear the tangibility in that, right? Even before, even before that, God was saying, I must be embodied by the people of God. That's why there are no graven images. You are. I am. We are. The tangible expression of God. The goodness of God, the closeness of God, perhaps today, perhaps this week, will be experienced by somebody because of you. I'm going to say it again. The goodness of God, the proximity of God, the closeness of God, the God is close enough to hear and know my name and know my face and know my circumstances. Someone this week, perhaps, perhaps, will sense the closeness and the goodness of God because of you. There is a real sense in which you might actually be the tangible expression of the grace of God for someone this week. And all God's people really need to say, are you watching for those opportunities to be the tangible expression of the grace of God? And are you with your life also expressing and embodying God's heartbeat for the underdog, for the outcast, for the marginalized? Because i got to tell you something. God seems to really like underdogs. So you know what that means about us? We are to be on the side of the least of these. And something terrible happens when we forget to remember. When we forget to remember our origin stories and we forget to remember the nature of this God, and we forget to remember how it is that we are to embody this particular and unique God, something bad really happens and there's always a price to pay. This is from crazy shepherd prophet Amos. This is another passage that I could have preached from today and you should probably be thankful that I didn't. Ready? But here's this part. Amos 8, 4 through 7. Hear this. He's talking to the people of God who have forgotten to remember their God and their own story. Hear this, you that trample on the needy 
and bring ruin to the poor, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be over so that we may offer wheat for sale? We will make the ephah small and the shekel great. We're going to sell very little for a lot. And practice deceit with false balances. Again, this is the people of God. Buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. <laughs> Verse 7. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget when my people forget me. Because something terrible happens when we forget to remember this particular God, this particular story that makes us into a particular people. Turns out Psalm 113 is part of a larger gathering of Psalms, 113 to 118. They're called Egyptian Hallel Psalms. The word hallelujah is a way to say praise the Lord, but in this ancient language, it's hallel, which means praise, and then yah is short for Yahweh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. That's why this song says all the time, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's another way of saying hallelujah, hallelujah. And these particular psalms are used anytime the people of the ancient people of Israel gathered to celebrate, but especially when they gathered to celebrate Passover. In other words, when they gather to celebrate the crucial origin story that tells them all they need to know about God, tells them all they need to know about themselves as the creation of God, and tells them all they need to, go, need to know about what it means to embody this particular God. Before the Passover, or as it's getting started, there's this first cup of wine. By the way, we had a Seder supper, and Dr. Bratcher and, and Robin Stevenson Bratcher, just, she really helped us, and they really helped us to work through this Passover story, and we didn't have wine. We'll work on that for next year. Take that out of the podcast, would you? <laughs> but we did have four cups, and the first one, each one has a symbolic significance. And in the larger Passover experience, Psalm 113, Psalm 113 would be read in conjunction with the giving of the first cup, the Kadush cup, which means sanctification or consecrated, or God has set us apart. They read this story. They sang this particular song. And then they would move into Psalm 114, which goes into greater detail about the Exodus experience so that the people would remember to remember our God is great, bigger than Pharaoh, but our God is good, close enough for every household, and we should be grateful because this God lifted us and made us into something that we would never have been otherwise and established us as the people of God, and we should live out the rest of our days in grateful admiration and appreciation for how it is that God has been for us, what God is for us. Then the matzah bread is eaten. Bad things happen when we forget to remember our origin story and the main character of our origin story. In their book, Resident Aliens, Howard Wasson and Willimon say this. 
The moment that life is formed on the presumption that we are not participants in God's continuing history of creation and redemption, we are acting on unbelief rather than faith. We are acting on unbelief rather than faith. God is great. God is good. If you'll let me monkey with the language again, here's what I would say. And we must remember to thank him, not just for our food, but perhaps as we take our food. Big and small, cosmic and intimate, this is who God is. This is how God does. Look at the Exodus but look also at this table. I'm not ready for you all to come up yet, but I'm close. You recognize, right, that this is a, a, an extension of that Passover story, right? You recognize, right, that what we do here, what we do here does have its roots all the way back in that Exodus story when God did what only God can do and wrestled Pharaoh to the ground and, and liberated the people of God and formed a people. We still celebrate that. We would say that God is still in the business of fighting for God's people and bringing liberation and freedom and that God does that in the cross and in the resurrection. The same God that wins Exodus wins at the cross and the resurrection and continues to form us as a people. And we do this every week to be reminded, yes, of the nature of God, but also of our own identity and what it means to be a tangible reflection of this God and also to be resourced and reminded that we are to live as people who have been rescued and liberated and formed by the grace of God. And so I ask you to come with cupped hands. Because all that you are, all that you have, all that you think, all that you believe, all of this, even the stuff that you believe about God, all of it starts not with you, it starts with God. And all of it comes to you as a gift. And now let me speak again to those of you who have no problem believing that God is big, but you are having problem believing that God is close. I am sorry, first of all. I'm sorry. John, do you have a prescription for us? No, but I do have a hope and a prayer for you. And it happens to be the same prayer. The anguished people of God remember to pray each year at the Passover. And that we, sometimes, the anguished people of God, hopefully are praying here. All of life is a gift. Perhaps the more often that I practice that sense of gratitude, perhaps that will then grant me the resources to see God where I could not see God before. To hear God where I couldn't hear God before. I will say this. Show me an ungrateful Christian, and I will show you someone that doesn't really hear from God very often. They're angled against it. But show me the person who practices gratitude in the biggest of ways and the smallest of ways. 
maybe even recovering the tradition of praying before a meal. And I will show you people who are more and more in touch with the God who is not just great, but good. Now we thank him for our food. Maybe there is something in that simple little prayer that if given an opportunity would take root in our imagination and allow us to see the sometimes hard to see God. Or at least that seems to have been the intent behind the inclusion of Psalm 113 in our sacred text. Sometimes the people of God have to be reminded to remember. Sometimes the people of God have to be reminded to remember. And now if you're coming to help us set this table, go ahead and come on up, those of you who are serving, because in this moment, you too will help us to remember, to remember. The grace of God, the gifts of God, and what we hope will be the resulting posture of God seen in and through us. Heavenly Father, bless these elements and with them, remind us that you are a particular kind of God. Remind us, God, of this particular unique story, our origin story that begins with you and your choice of us. Remind us, God, that as Christ was bread for the world, that we too are being resourced to live as grateful people. Bread for the world, taken, blessed, broken, and given. God, we pray for the people. We pray for the people in the room today who perhaps can still acknowledge God's greatness but cannot as easily acknowledge God's, your closeness. We pray that there would be something in this moment of remembrance that will remind him, remind her, remind them that you in fact do know names, you know faces, you know circumstances, and you are on the side of those who cry out. May they be reminded, not just of your story, but that story that you have gifted to us, may they be reminded of our story with you. In a moment, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet and exit your pew to the left and to come forward with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God. You'll exit your pew to the left and come forward with your hands cupped and approach someone holding a plate of bread. As you get closer, that person will snap off a piece and press it into your hands and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you, for you. Don't eat that piece of bread just yet, but take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. When you do, that person will say to you, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And hear that. It's a personal invitation. And then dip into the cup and then take and eat. And then if you would, find a place to pray. If you choose to come to one of the side padded altars, we will assume that you are there for a prayer for healing, and we have a couple of people who can meet you over here, and a couple of people you know who you are who can meet you over here. And any kind of ache and pain is worthy of this kind of a prayer, physical, emotional, spiritual, familial, relational. If you'll come to this side padded altar, we will anoint you with oil, 
and pray that prayer for healing. If you come to these mourner's benches up front, perhaps it's because you have forgotten to remember the greatness or the goodness of God. And we won't assume a thing, but we will at some point come and tap you on the neck or the head or the back or the shoulder to let you know that you're not the only one that feels that way. You are not alone. You are not alone. You may want to circle right back around. That's perfectly fine too. I do hope that you will continue to pray. You might want to make a special trip here and dip your fingers into this water representative of your baptism just to remember that you're a part of this group that has been formed by God's choice to put skin and flesh on God. Who is welcome at this table? Any and all of you who understand your need for grace, no matter how bad your morning or week or month or year has been, if you know your need for grace, this is the perfect place for you. If you can't come to us, Jason and Katie will come to you. It was on the night he was betrayed that our Savior took this bread at a Passover meal. He blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time, every time you eat of it, remember me. Later on, he would take this particular cup and say, this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant shed for you. And every time you drink of it, remember me. Now, all around the sanctuary now, if you will stand to your feet, exit your pew to the left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God for the people of God.